welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Well, hey, it's great to be with you. You're probably all surprised at how I could be retired at such a young age. Um, but it's, uh, it was great to be in the traditional service and now to be in the contemporary service and to be with you. And I'd like to just start off by reading God's word from uh, the book of John. So uh, this is from John 14. Jesus says to his disciples, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be fearful. Lord, the Lord add his blessing to his word. Well, hey, being with you, uh, a little bit of my story. Uh, I actually finished 40 plus years of ministry. I started at a very young age. And I only pastored in two churches. The last one was for 30 years. And about five years ago, uh, I was praying about the fact that everyone has a beginning in uh, assignments and responsibilities. But with beginnings, also, there's endings. And I had thought about the fact that I'd never thought about my ending. And I was praying. I said, Lord, when would I know I would be done? And the Lord was impressing on me that this would be the year the congregation I pastored would be 100 years old. And I would have served 30 years and looking at just age and stage, and I was thinking of how old I was when I started in the life cycle of the church. I was thinking, wouldn't it be great to pass the baton on to the next generation while the church is still thriving? And I remember that old adage that said, I'd rather leave when they'd wish me stay than stay when they wish me leave. So I was praying about it, and the Lord impressed this was the year. Little did I know we'd hit COVID. But uh, because we were preparing for that transition, one of the fellows who'd worked with me, a younger leader in his 30s, uh, mentoring, walking alongside of him, we had a succession process where he became the lead pastor. And, uh, and during COVID, of all the crazy times, I stepped back and passed the mantle to him. I gotta tell you something. Saying farewell to a church you've pastored for 30 years is hard when the people aren't there. And so they felt so bad about it. The, the final weekend back in, in June, they actually had people submit photographs and they made 250 cardboard cutouts of the congregation and propped them up in the pews. And they had the live stream, like many of you are watching today, and I got to preach the cardboard cutouts. And then when the service was over, they said, you can take them with you if you'd like to have them. And uh, so we had a very interesting ending of ministry there. But I'm thankful of a congregation just to say that uh, God had his hand on the church for 30 years, and it was really amazing. We live in a cosmopolitan uh, a community that has had much immigration. So our congregation was not only multi-campus with three buildings, but it was also multi, multi-ethnic. We had an Arabic-speaking congregation. I'm preaching there next Saturday night. I'll speak with an interrupter, I mean an interpreter. And, uh, and, and I get to speak to the Arabic congregation who've come from all over the globe, many of them refugees from Syria, from other countries in the Middle East. We have an, uh, a Hispanic congregation. Now, down here, I mean, that's pretty normal, but up there, we have about 40,000 uh, Hispanic first-generation speaking who attend our congregation. And it's so cool because uh, they come from 27 different Spanish-speaking countries. And so you have... You have this beautiful thing in a mega church of, of a couple, you know, 3,000 people that would gather together and you'd have separate congregations that would meet. And what we discovered that brought us great unity was Jesus. And uh, we saw a church that was deeply in Christ and deeply on mission 
And I got to say, it was an adventure to serve that kind of church for 30 years and watch five generations doing Jesus together in a congregation. It was so hard to leave the people I love, but I wanted to entrust them to the next leader. Now, I give that introduction because one of the things that, that I've been able to do in retirement is just take some time with my wife and kind of recalibrate. We have a daughter in Seattle, so we went and spent time with her, a son in Vancouver. We went and spent some time with his family. When we were in Seattle, we decided to go to the Aviation Museum. Anybody been to the Aviation Museum? They have real airplanes there in Seattle. There are dozens upon dozens of span the generations of, you know, the Wright brothers with the beginning to the 767. One of the, the Air Force One uh, former jets is there. It's amazing. But what really struck me walking through there was the Blackbird spy plane. This thing is amazing. It, was, it would fly 3,500 miles per hour. Mach 3. This thing would fly at, I think it's 52,000 feet. It was staggering altitude, miles in the sky. This thing would go so fast that if you fired a bullet, it could fly faster than the bullet. You shoot it, it just takes off. If they shot a missile, it would just take off. Reconnaissance, spy plane, amazing. And there it sat, dead. No power. It's, in a sense, just garbage now. And it struck me, there was no power. We went into the next building and there was a space shuttle. <laughs> Remember those? Retired now. Get to walk through it. It's quite amazing. It re reminded me of when we were at Cape Canaveral about 20 years ago and we saw it on the launch pad. I don't know if you know anything about the space shuttle. 165,000 pounds. These massive cargo planes, it would take 143,000 gallons of chilled oxygen for the power thrust to get this thing, to get the inertia to get it off the ground. A staggering 6.5 million pounds of thrust to get it moving. The quarter of the energy of an atomic bomb to get a shuttle into the air. And my wife and I are standing inside the, the cargo hold at the Aviation Museum of one of these space shuttles. I'm looking around and thinking, you know, with no power, no oxygen, no fuel, this is just a giant garbage can. <laughs> it has no power. And it was kind of sad because all those planes had been designed to fly. They had been designed to accomplish something. And there they were powerless. And it struck me they could not complete a mission any longer. Friends, without fuel, it was, it's useless, isn't it? And it's true for you and I, without fuel, we cannot live. Because we cannot live without power. And you say, well, how do you make that practical? Let me ask you a question. Do you have the strength, the wisdom, the guidance, endurance you need for every day? You might live a respectable life, but are you living a, a powerful life? Are you diminishing your life to a level that you can control and, and somehow manage? Are you living a life that's going to be beyond that, that you're actually trusting God to do that, which is bigger than what you could ever do? You're trusting him to do above and beyond all that you could ask or imagine. A number of years ago, I heard uh, Darlene Zach from, I think it's Hillsong Church, saying a song. It was, Jesus has all the power you need. And just that line struck me so powerful. That Jesus Christ has the power. Now let's think about what Jesus said to his disciples. Here in the book of John, Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples that he's going to go to the cross, that he's going to leave them, and he's explaining what's going to take place. Imagine Jesus with the disciples who have walked with him, talked with him, ate with him, hearing him talk about these things. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to go. And they're going, oh, we can't get our heads around it. It'd be like sitting 24 months ago over a meal, explain to someone that you'd be sitting in church with masks on <laughs> today. You go, I don't get it. I don't understand what you're talking about. There's going to be a pandemic. What are you talking about? You didn't even have a category for what's taken place the last 24 months. The disciples were confused. Jesus says, I'm going away. What are their responses? Peter says, well, I'm going to go with you. Jesus says, no, you can't go, at least not now, to where I'm going. 
Thomas, he's thinking of, what is this location? He says, Jesus, where is it you're going? Tell us the place. And Jesus says, no, hang on. It's not a place. It's a person. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And then in John 14, verse 16, Jesus says to them, these powerful words, look at this. It says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he lives with you. He will be in you. Jesus says, I'm going, but it's going to be better when I'm gone. They say, how can it be better when you're gone? I mean, we've watched you do the miracles. We listen to you teach. We've experienced you. We know you, Jesus. We can touch you. How can it be better? And Jesus says, oh, it's going to be better because I'm going to send my spirit. He says, I'm going to be coming back, but in the meantime, it's going to be okay. I'm sending help. And he goes on. He says, I'm going to send a helper. In the footnotes of my Bible, it says that he's an advocate. Look at this, John 14. He says, the helper will teach you everything. He will cause you to remember all that I've told you. The helper is the Holy Spirit. He says, uh, he'll send in my name. I don't give as the world gives. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled or afraid. Friends, an advocate, the first century, an advocate was someone who represents you before a judge or who spoke on your behalf. The Holy Spirit will intercede on your behalf. He is for you, helping you, representing you before God. He's also a spirit of truth. And you know, the Bible says Satan is the author of lies. He's a liar. He's always sending those little deceptive thoughts in your head. You don't matter. You'll never do anything. You'll never amount to much. Those are the, those are the lies of the evil one. He's the spirit of truth. Jesus says, I'm going to send a helper. And when that spirit comes, it's going to be great. And I'll be with you. I will help you. I will teach you. The Holy Spirit will convict you. He will convert you. The spirit will comfort you. He will guide you. Do you know about the spirit? Jesus says, I am with you. I am in you. This is an amazing promise of Jesus. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you get God's strength for daily living. When you put your full faith in him, when you ask him to forgive you and save you, his spirit indwells you. And there is a divine source of power, of strength for daily living. This is good news. Because you know what we're discovering? When you look at the news, friends, listen, stress is up, concern and worry is up. Uncertainty is up. Division is on the rise. Antidepressants, on the, I mean, record numbers... Mental illness, record numbers. Listen, Jesus says, I'm going to send a helper. Jesus is with us. You are not alone. Jesus says, there's presence. Now, let me get that second word about the fuel, and that is that Jesus gives us power. Do you need a helper today? A lot of people are running on empty. They're just feeling overwhelmed by all this. Some people, when they're facing challenges, say, well, you know, I'm doing okay, but... I look around and I see a lot of frustration. I see it as a pastor as I'm dealing with our congregation and people who are just saying, you know, this is complicated. I saw a great Instagram photo when kids were sent home from school and parents were homeschooling for the first time. There was one great Instagram thing. It says, I saw my neighbor Tammy out scraping the my child is an honor student bumper sticker off the back of her car. She says, I guess the first week of homeschooling isn't going too well. How about you? So much has changed. Maybe you've been asking, how are you going to navigate a season like this? In John 13 and 15, Jesus goes on. He says, hey, another metaphor. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
the Holy Spirit promised by Jesus did come and fill those early disciples. They experienced some really tough situations. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1.8, uh, I think it's the living paraphrase, he says, we were really crushed and overwhelmed. We feared that we were doomed to die. This is, the, this is Paul, you know, mighty Paul, wise Paul, powerful Paul, did all these miracles and stuff. He's going, we thought we were going to die. It sounds like he was ready to give up. He's feeling pretty powerless. Look what he goes on to say. We saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. <laughs> but that was good. For then we put everything into the hands of God, who alone could save us, for he can even raise the dead. And he did help us, and he saved us from a terrible death. Yes, and we expect him to do it again and again. Isn't that great? Paul says, if God can raise the dead, certainly he can help us in this circumstance. And this is true for you, and it's true for me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us. Jesus' resurrection means that no situation, no circumstance, no problem is too difficult for God. He has all the power you need. And he offers us the power of his presence. He offers us the powerful presence of God in our lives. What's the potential of God's power? You say, well, you keep mentioning that word. Well, do you know in the book of Acts, the word power, dunamis, dynamite, it's this hour, this explosive energy of God is mentioned some 29 times. In Acts 1.8, it says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. When my wife and I travel away, we turn off our hot water tank, we leave the pilot light burning, that little flicker flame that's going. When we get back, I'm going to go down there, I'm going to get down my hands and knees, I'm going to turn that knob up to full temperature. Do you know what it sounds like when, the, when that hot water tank goes? What does it do? <laughs> And it's burning. And I was thinking the Holy Spirit wants to, you have the presence of Jesus, but it's letting the power of God begin to work in your life. Because listen, most of us, if you're like me, our natural propensity is to run on our own power. I mean, that's the natural propensity to say, hey, God, I got this. If I need help, I'll ask you. But God is saying, I want you to walk in, in my power. I want you to walk in my presence. I want you to be drawing on my strength, allowing me to work in your life. Are you running life in his power or your own? To the apostle Timothy, Paul gave him a warning. He says, in latter days, it's going to be terrible times. And he says, there's going to be, you know, immorality and all kinds of, of greed. And, and he has all these destructive things. But I notice that he gives this grocery list. People would be disobedient to parents. He's going through all these things. The last one, he says, holding to a form of godliness, but denying its power. In latter days, maybe we're in those latter days. I don't know. But people who have a creed, but they haven't got a sense that the living Christ is with us, near us, empowering us. We're not on our own. The same Jesus is with us today. Are you running on your own power? I think a, par a, a paradigm of this was when I was a college freshman, I drove a Volkswagen, a little red Volkswagen VW. Now, you guys are too young, most of you, to remember this, but we had a gear shift in the Volkswagen. Cars were simple then. My car didn't have the technology to follow the lines in the road. It just followed the ruts. And it would just kind of go down the road. But one day, my, my starter quit on the car. And something you could do back in those days is they were very, cars were lighter then. They didn't have all the airbags and stuff. And so what we would do is we'd try to park on a hill. Some of you are nodding your heads. And what I would do is I'd jump in the car, turn the key on, get it rolling, pop it in gear, pop the clutch, it would start. And for a couple of months, I drove without a starter. And so what I would do is I'd try to get people to go with me so they could push. And I would phone my sister, Dorothy. I'd say, Dorothy, what are you doing? Where are your runners? 
let's go out. And, and she reminded me this a while ago. She said, do you remember me pushing your Volkswagen? Yes, I do. And, and you were, may you be blessed, because we got around in there. You know, sometimes in the college parking lot, I park in a high spot and get the car rolling. I'd be pushing it, and I hear some smart aleck student yell out, hey, why don't you start the engine? Well, I didn't yell back, what do I look like, an idiot? <laughs> I guess I did, you know, pushing the car. The truth was, I wonder sometimes, maybe you feel like you're pushing these last few months, burdened down, fearful, a little frustrated, gauges on empty. I hear a lot of people saying these days, I just feel tired. I just feel tired of all the complexity and I, trying to, the word pivot, I'm cra- that word drives me crazy. Everything's pivoting. And, and people are feeling a power shortage. And it might be the reason you're feeling a power shortage is you're not plugged into God's ultimate power supply. When, when your roof of your life is caving in and you're thinking to yourself, what next? What do I do? Where do I turn? Turn to Jesus. Be reminded that the Holy Spirit is with you and in you and God's power is available to you. In Isaiah 40, verse 29, it says, God gives power to those who are tired and worn out and he offers strength to the weak. And then I switch over to Ephesians chapter 1, 19, and Paul's saying, he's praying for the church there, and he goes, I pray that you might know. What is it? One of the things he prays, I pray that you know the incomparably great power for us who believe. The power that's the same as God's mighty strength when he exerted it in Christ and raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul says, I just wish you knew if God can raise Jesus from the dead, is there anything in your life that's too powerful or too great for God? Heavens, no. We need resilience, don't we? And the Holy Spirit will give that. You know, people talk about having a spring in their step. And I, I was reading an article about how Nike magazine came out with a running shoe that after 16 years of, of research, maybe you've seen these, they released this uh, running shoe that it has springs in the heel. When you press down these brightly colored springs made of high-density foam push back, when you jump, they assist. They're intended to help you run faster, jump higher than you could on your own. One Nike uh, executive, when they were doing the research and did the prototypes, he says, we love seeing the smiles on people's faces as they were running. Friends, Christians have resilience. It's not their own. That resilience, I think, is the power of the Holy Spirit who helps us to do what we could never do on our own. He said, that's a, that's a terrible illustration. Where do you get that in the Bible? The book of Isaiah, he says, we will run and not be weary right? The Holy Spirit can empower. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit, his power is at work in our lives? When is you'll have power to overcome fear? It says in 2 Timothy, Paul says, God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of what? Of power, dunamis, of love, self-control. Power to face difficulty. Maybe you're, hey, friends, if you're alive, you're going to be facing issues that you thought, I never would have dreamt this would happen to me. Everybody's got those stories. But Paul says, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. The power to love. There hardly a day goes by that I don't see an email, a Facebook, or some message from someone who will talk about relational discord. It seems to be just that's part of the pandemic of our days is relational upset. The Holy Spirit gives us a divine capacity to love as we ought a power to love beyond ourselves. It's a fruit of the Spirit, it's love. He's a great reconciler in building of relationships. Friends, being filled with the Spirit, living in harmony with Jesus, 
living and surrendered to Christ in the power of his spirit is not a positive mental attitude. It's not self-help psychology. It's not pull yourself up by your bootstraps trying to be a good religious person. This is supernatural power. It's the power to handle loneliness when you're lonely. The power to handle stress when you're under pressure. The power to handle guilt and fear and boredom and bitterness and rejection. Maybe facing financial disaster or a health crisis or a relational predicament. Friends, maybe it's a financial challenge. Maybe it's a work issue. But friends, whatever it is, maybe it's handling success because we need to be powered even to handle the good things in life. Friends, you cannot thrive in life unless you're plugged into God's power. You know, I was, we get the American news up in Canada. I don't know how much you get of our news, but there was a story told, and I recognize it. They actually released a Tesla to some high-speed pursuit police officers around the, the Bay Area. And they were saying that there was a high-speed chase with this officer in a Tesla, and he's screaming down Highway 101. I recognize that. I've been there. I know. And he's going down the highway, but he had forgotten to charge the car before shift. So you can imagine the driver going, I'm catching him, I'm catching him. Oh, I've got him, I've got him. And he's thinking, ooh, I'm out of power. And it said the officer had to pull off and find a charging station. It must have looked funny, the officer standing there charging his Tesla, thinking, come on, I got a chase to do here. Friends, that car is useless unless it has a fuel supply. Where are you drawing your strength from today? When God's spirit fills your life, you have a divine strength that's a life of, that's beyond your own. You won't be pushed back and forth by circumstance. Friends, being filled and controlled by Jesus is not fanaticism, it's strength, it's wisdom, it's love, it's kindness, it's endurance that's not your own. You say, well, how do I know it? I think the first step is surrender. Submission to the Spirit, saying, God, I can't, but you can, go ahead. <laughs> it's asking God, saying, God, I need strength that's beyond my own. Jesus, resident Lord in my life, would your power be present in my life? Jesus, give me guidance, give me health, give me the strength I need for this moment. Give me wisdom with my kids. Give me guidance in my job to know how to navigate the situation. Begin to call out upon God, because he'll energize you to stay the course. He'll motivate you in the spite of obstacles. He'll keep you going when times get tough. He'll comfort you when you're distressed. He'll steady you when your world is shaken. He'll become your companion in loneliness. He'll inspire that capacity of love that's not your own. Jesus says, I've got all the power you need. When you believe in Jesus Christ, he'll deal with your past. He'll secure your future. He promises that glorious life with him forever. But listen, in the meantime, he is with us by his spirit. How would your life look differently today if you fully you know, placed your dependence on Jesus? How would a fully accepting faith look for you? And what step can you take that would be a step of yieldedness where you say, you know what, Lord? My propensity to be self-willed, self-controlled, self-managed. Oh, Lord, I, I want to be centered in Christ the power of his spirit, drawing from his strength and his fuel, that he might, I think, catalyze all the capacity he's placed into your life by his power. That's a wonderful promise that God has given to us. You know, FedEx ran a commercial that spoofed the movie Castaway. Anybody ever see the movie Castaway? You young people are probably thinking, ah, oh, it's way a long time ago. He had a, a volleyball and he put a face on it, remember? What was, what was the volleyball? Yeah, okay, you guys know, Wilson. And... Uh, and so they decided to spoof the movie, and 
uh, you know, Tom Hanks, if you recall, the movie was a FedEx worker whose company plane went down, stranded on a deserted island for, what was it, five years. Looking like the bedraggled Hanks in the movie, the FedEx employee in the commercial goes to the door of a suburban home, package in hand, lady comes to the door and he explains that he survived five years and all the rest of it. And the whole time he kept the package safe to deliver it to her and she takes the package and says a simple thank you. And so they give this alternate ending in the commercial. He's curious about what's in the package. He's been protecting it for years. And he says, if I ask, uh, what's in the package? She opens it and she says, oh, nothing, just a satellite telephone, a GPS device, a compass, a water purifier, and some seeds. Exactly what he needed was in his hand all along. God has all the power you need right here, right now. Ask him for it. Ask him for it. Would you bow with me in prayer? Jesus, we call upon your spirit. We make such a big deal of self-help and self-mastery, but Jesus, there's a life of another kind where we surrender to you and to your power and presence. We call upon your spirit to fill and control us. We want to draw from your spirit today. As your heads are bowed, maybe Jesus is speaking to your heart and saying, hey, you're tired, you're frustrated, things are complex, Cast your care upon me, for I care for you. If you're weary and tired, draw upon me for my strength. As your heads are bowed, one of the things that can hinder God's strength and his power in our lives is when we quench the spirit by disobedience, by sin. And and maybe you go, you know, there's some things I've been hanging on to, like an alternate fuel supply. And it's been toxic in your life. It's not giving you the life you thought. Why not say, Jesus, please forgive me for looking somewhere else for something that'll never, never satisfy. Lord, I come to you. I want to drink deeply from all you have in your spirit and experience this incredible adventure of living life beyond myself. Just take a moment in quiet prayer. We have that assurance of the gospel of what Christ accomplished for us upon the cross. Hear the good news. Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. He prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. A new life has begun. Believe the good news of the gospel. In Christ, you are forgiven. You're empowered. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelprez.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.